Welcome to the Flourish Conference podcast. Each spring, women from all over the country gather together at our annual conference to learn, grow, and flourish together as a community. Here is the recording from one of our sessions at our 2023 conference. My husband and I have three kids, two boys and a girl, and Emma is 10, Parker is 12, and Jacob is 15. And let me just tell you, teaching a 15-year-old boy how to drive is interesting. There's no test I had to take. There was no one that like qualified me, made sure I was prepared and ready for this. Like there's nothing. You just do it and hope you don't die. It brings you a lot to Jesus. Um, But when our kids were younger, we were doing a lot in the church and um, we were on the worship team. And so we're there Sunday mornings, we're there Thursday nights for practice, we were serving in the youth at the time, so we're there Wednesday nights, we've got small groups, we had leadership meetings, and so we were there a ton, and we we joked that we needed an on-call room because we were at church so much. And so we've got these young kids, and that season we had one, maybe two, I can't quite remember a timeline, and Pastor Keith Tusi came into town. So this is like long before I started working for NRP, before like... I even really knew who he was, and um, so in some meeting session, there was a, a Q&A time, and so I, you know, raised my hand, and I was like, so how do you, how do you balance it all? You know, how do you figure out, like, family life and, and church life and all of that, and how do you prioritize all the things? And so he said, well, there's not priorities, plural. There's God is the priority, and everything falls under that. I was like, well, I don't like that answer. I don't disagree with that answer. It's the right answer, but I wanted practical. I wanted to be like, spend this many hours at the church when your kids are young. And then as they get older, spend this many hours. Like I wanted to know how much is too much in the season of our life. So he came back about a year later and he had your good dinner um, with some young couples. And so my husband and I are there. And so I asked the question again in a different way. Um, Because we're still trying to balance it all. And he basically gave the same answer, but he quoted Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. Well, again, I didn't like that answer. It wasn't practical enough. But many, many years later, over 10 years later probably, as um, we've sat with that and figured out some things and continued to be at the church, um, that scripture has really become the heartbeat of our family. So before I dive in too much more, let's pray. So Lord, I just thank you for um, just this time together, God. I thank you for these ladies, Lord. I thank you for what you have for us, Lord. I thank you for all that you've deposited, Lord. And I pray that you would just um, that you would just flow through me this morning, Lord. That um, you would enable me to be able to share your heart for your church. Amen. So engaging in church life. You know, my heart really beats for the church. There's a passion and a drive I have for his church. I don't want to be on the shore watching things happen. Like, I want to be in the boat. I want to be in the middle of the action. And so for me, the what has never really been the question. Like, I got that. It's just the how. How do I do that? How do I find my fit? How do I find my purpose? How do I find that balance? How do I fit it all in? You know, because church is so much fun. It's a joy to attend and to grow and to participate. It's a place where rich covenant relationships are woven all throughout it. You know, and scripture tells us to gather together, 
In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one, one another. And so we need to gather together. But in this crazy busy life that we have and all these things going on, how do we fit it all in? Because it's easy to look at the calendar and go, well, I don't have room for it all. There aren't enough hours in the day. There aren't enough days in the year to do it all. So go back to Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so when I look at that verse, there's two things that stand out. It starts with the word but, which means there's stuff that came before it that I need to know to understand the context. And then it says all these things, and it doesn't tell me what they are, so it means it told me before. So when I look before, the scripture comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. And right before he said this, he's talking about don't be anxious. And Jesus talks about, look at the birds. They're not hungry. I take care of them. I feed them. Look at the lilies. I clothe them. How much more am I going to take care of you? So I got you. Seek my kingdom first and let me take care of all of those things. So if the church is part of his plan to build his kingdom on earth, and he tells us to seek first his kingdom, then we must intentionally engage with his church. And that doesn't happen out of duty, but out of a kingdom mentality, because we can pull back and see that bigger picture, a relationship with him and with one another. It's about touching lives and doing life together. So why wouldn't we want to engage with that? So I love the practical obviously, because I didn't like Pastor Keith's answers at first. I like the steps. So I came up with four practical steps to engage. So number one is attend. And I'm going to say this with all the love that I have in my heart. And I'm going to say this because I know the blessing that comes from it. Attending on a Sunday morning shouldn't be optional. It's just something that you do, and there shouldn't be any question. Because when it becomes optional, then we're essentially saying, I don't need to grow. I don't need encouragement. I don't need community. There's no one I can encourage. I don't need it. I don't need discipleship. By not showing up, it communicates to our family and our children and those in our sphere of influence that it isn't important. So we attend week after week. We attend with our family. We attend with our children going, Lord, those seeds that are being planted will yield fruit, right? That's what your word says. So we're just going to keep doing that. But we still have to fit it all in, right? Like sometimes it's hard to fit it all in. The calendar gets full. But when we try and fit church around our life, we won't have room for it. Life fits around church life. It's that reverse. It's that kingdom first and then that. And that doesn't mean we have to be there every single time the doors are open. Like, you don't need an on-call room at the church. Like, don't be there every time the doors are open. But it's, what are the priorities? You know, I attend so that I can grow and I can give and I can have community. So one, we attend. Two, serve. Mark 10.45 sets the bar, like, really, really high. It just kind of throws down the gauntlet. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served. He set that example for us. He laid down his life. He gave. He sacrificed. Serving is so much fun. Like, it's so much fun. 
So we're still serving on the worship team and we have a blast. We laugh so much during practices and are goofy. I mean, there are times where it's like, okay, guys, we got to come back together. Like we actually have to get practice done, but it's just fun. We love being there. I love how if our church does anything with tacos, Carmen is there with her taco hat on. Like it's just, it's just what we do and it's just fun and it's a joy. Serving is stepping in and engaging with church life. There's life, joy, a fit community that can only be found through serving. Not only do we need the church in our lives, but your church needs you. You know, it's cool. First Corinthians 12 goes through all of these giftings that's given to the church for the common good. And it talks about there's one body, the church, and there's many parts, us individual parts. And can a body function as designed without all of the parts is the question it asks. No. You know, I think about my physical body. If I was missing my arm, like I would have trouble talking because as you can see, I'm going to move it a lot. So I can make modifications, right? But it's not going to function as designed and as best if I don't have that. And the same is for the church. We need all of these things. You were designed with a specific part to play in the church. You have gifts and you have talents that the Lord has kingdom purpose for. So how do you discover those? You just show up and you do whatever needs to be done. And it's not always about, I was created to do this. Sometimes we don't know that and sometimes there are other things that need to be done. So we just see a need and we fill a need. And in the process of serving, in the process of engaging with the church like that, then we grow personally and we grow in our giftings and we grow in those community relationships. You know, serving is the place where so many relationships start because you're hanging out with people and you're doing things together. And that relationship grows organically when you're serving side by side, shoulder to shoulder. You're building memories. I think about when um, my husband and I served in youth for about 10 years. And some of our deepest, greatest friendships are from the other leaders that we served with. Why? Because we went through things together that only we went through. Like dealing with huge roaches at youth retreats. <laughs> having the students eat frozen mayonnaise because it looks exactly like vanilla ice cream. It's fabulous. Playing hot potato with a raw fish. Um, knocking a hole in the wall in a cabin that we rented for a retreat. Um, we were having a dance off and one of the kids went kind of into the wall and busted a hole in the wall. Um, having babies together while being in ministry and doing all of that, we shared life together. And those shared experience created a bond and a deep relationship. You know, we serve on the worship team. I think I've been serving on the worship team, I think, for 20 years now. And there are many of us who have been there that long. And they're the best family. They're my family. Like, we can't, I can't hide anything from them. There's a rawness and a vulnerability there that's, that's beautiful. And we're there for each other, and we spend that time together. And I'm not saying I wouldn't pick them out in the crowd and go, I want to be friends with you, but those relationships came because we were serving together, and they just grew, and it's beautiful. Serving gives us opportunities for the giftings that God has placed in us to grow and be used, and it yields those deep covenant relationships. So we attend, we serve. Number three, grow. Growing implies that there's forward movement. You know, if there's growth, there should be a difference. We should be in a different place than we were before. 
It's about discipleship. It's more than just showing up on a Sunday morning because if I just show up to show up, then I'm missing so much. We need to show up, but there's so much more. It's kind of like, but wait, there's more. We need to grow ourselves. You know, that's what we do individually, spending time in the word. I loved what Dasha had to share. That was so good. Spending time in the word, feeding ourselves that, listening to biblically sound podcasts and books. I love listening to things. I don't have a ton of time to just sit and read. So I love it when I'm in my car, when I'm curling my hair, when I'm scrubbing the bathroom. I'm listening and and feeding in whatever I can get in. I do better if I'm reading a book and being able to underline and take notes, but that's not practical. So I figure if I listen to something, my brain's like a colander. Some stuff's going to stick and some's not, but at least I got something. And so it's good. So we feed ourselves. We grow in groups, you know, attending small groups, those discipleship groups where we're getting to know each other, encouraging each other, sharing our struggles, sharing our victories, sharing what the Lord has told us. That iron sharpens iron. We can help others grow as well. The Lord has put things in you. He's developed things in you. And he wants to keep developing things in you that are for others. And if you don't share them, if you don't learn how to develop them and get them out of you, then we don't get to benefit from it. We don't get to benefit from what the Lord has done in your life. We don't get to be encouraged from what the Lord has done in your life. It's like the man who took the talent and he buried it for fear of losing it. And then we grow in our giftings. God has given you a unique perspective. He's given you unique gifts and talents and ideas. As we talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, it's all for the common good. You know, you have ideas, you have perspectives that can yield things to your church. And it's all done under authority, submitted, you know, to the vision because it's not about personal gain. It's about what is, what is the bigger thing going on? What is what we can participate in that's bigger than ourselves? But using those giftings, coming alongside your church, your leaders, your vision, using what God has given you will help take things from where they are to where they could be. We get to actively participate in the life of our church, and that is a great honor enjoy. So we attend, we serve, we grow. Number four, we love. We were made for relationship. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me, but he also created us for relationship with each other. We cannot do this walk on our own. Pastor Rick Paladin from Bridge City Church in Pennsylvania one time said, when you get alone, you get weird. So I'm going to say that again because it's so simple but so profound. When you get alone, you get weird. When I get alone with my thoughts and my emotions, it's not good. When I get alone, I don't have someone to encourage me, to help hold me accountable to the truth, to be there with me. I can swing real far. We need people. We need relationships. We need community. We were created for that. So when we don't have that, there's something that's missing. It's, it's not all about the work. Like there is work that needs to be done, but it's so much bigger than that. It's about people. It's about being with people and serving people and loving people. 
and the relationships that we cultivate through attending and serving and growing, those are covenant-rich relationships. And it's cool. The Lord sometimes brings people in our lives where it just, it just clicks. It just happens automatically. I hope we've all experienced that, where you're just instantly besties. And then there are seasons in our life where we choose to be a friend to someone that we wish would be, that we wish someone would be a friend to us like that. But in both situations, loving one another, cultivating relationships, engaging with community, there's a richness and a blessing that is life-giving. And in some seasons, it's life stink. And I could tell you many stories about life-giving community. I'm sure we could fill the rest of the day with sharing stories about life-giving community. But I want to tell you about a season in my life where my community was life-sustaining. And I'm not going to cry too much. Um, My dad passed away about a week and a half before Christmas. And it was unexpected. He was battling incurable, rare blood cancer called multiple myeloma. But it was manageable-ish. And he should have had years. We should have at least had a heads up. That's how it was supposed to happen. Things don't always happen how they're supposed to happen. So he went into the hospital for unmanageable pain. And three weeks later, he passed. And during that time, um, there were really intense, hard days. Over a week of that time, he was in the ICU, and he was intubated, but he was conscious. And um, the last almost week of his life, he was in hospice, and he was unconscious. And that whole situation, especially those three weeks, were further complicated by the fact that my dad was a very complicated man the best way to say it. And having a relationship with him was very complicated. And it was a choice I had to make. And so when we passed, we were on good terms and I had a relationship with him, but it was complicated. During that time, my community showed up. They let me be raw and vulnerable with them, which is not my favorite thing to do, but there's a lot of beauty in it. And so I had a couple group texts where I would send what was happening each day, what was hard for me, what was to come, and they responded with specific prayers that were felt. I had one friend who knew I needed her to be pushy with me, and so she was pushy with me, and it forced me to accept dinner one night. Consider myself a very capable person. I meal plan. There's a plan making dinner every night. I can do it. If I'm not around, my husband's very capable. He can do it. And this friend was pushy in the way that I needed her to be, and I had no choice. So I accepted dinner. And in the way that only God could orchestrate, that night ended up being a night that I couldn't leave the hospital. And I had to call Adam to join me because the conversations we were having and the decisions that we had to make that night, I couldn't do it without him. And there was dinner for my children provided for. I had friends who were collecting fun snacks for my, fr- my kids and bringing them to them. My kids, I never buy them Sunny D, yet they love it. And they got Sunny D during that time and that helped carry them. They helped with the kids as I was gone most days. And when I was home, I wasn't really home. They helped clean out his house when he passed and prep things for an estate sale. They showed up at his funeral, not for him, but for me. That is my community. They held me up. They were life-sustaining. My community of Carmen and Amber, Stacy and Jen, Kim and Carrie, they were my lifeline. 
I barely survived that season and I couldn't have done it without them. Loving others, being loved by others, covenant-rich community, that is what is woven through the fabric of what it means to engage with a church. So we get to love others and we get to love our leaders. Your leaders need your love and support. We can love them by showing up. They don't plan events just to fill your calendar and keep you busy, but there is a vision and a purpose behind everything they are doing. We can love our leaders by being there on time and dare I say, maybe early. We can love our leaders by covering them, by not complaining and grumbling, but seeking them out and asking clarifying questions, seeking understanding, sharing our perspective with an open hand, knowing that we don't see it all and understand it all. That is loving your leaders because you are always on their heart and their heart is for you and they need you to partner with them in the work of the ministry. So we attend, we serve, we grow, we love, and all of those are great. And those are practical things that can help us find our fit and purpose, our gifting and calling, but there's still this balance, right? How do you balance church and work and family and how do you balance life? I love Matthew 6.33 in the message. It says, steep your life in God reality, steep. That implies a, a sitting, a, a resting in and abiding. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Do we fit church around what we are doing or do we fit what we are doing around church? Finding that balance first starts with that mind shift. Dave Ramsey says, either you manage your money or your money will manage you. I'm pretty sure the same can be said for our calendar. There needs to be practical intentionality when we schedule things. As a family, we have decided that we attend church together and we serve together. I don't do things and neglect them, nor does my family have to sacrifice all the things. We're still involved in school and sports and things outside the four walls of the church. It's finding that balance. You know, we have chosen as a family that we're not going to do sports that take our kids out of youth consistently. Our two older boys are in youth and every Wednesday they're there. Youth doesn't get sacrificed. That's what we've decided as a family. We sacrifice other things like maybe sleep. Maybe they get up earlier so there's extra time to get homework done. But we don't sacrifice youth. We don't do things on Saturday evenings that can then cause us to miss church. If I have a full weekend, I show up tired. That's what coffee is for. And I'm so thankful for coffee. We don't sacrifice church for family time because church is what we do as a family. We still have intentional family time, but it isn't in the place of attending, serving, growing, or loving our church. Because it's not about priorities. It's not about where the church fits. It's kingdom first, and then everything else fits under that. It isn't about fitting it in, but fitting everything else around it. So in the beginning, I told you about a season of our life where we have young kids. We're trying to figure out that balance. And, you know, Pastor Keith gives us this wonderful advice that wasn't practical enough for me. But the longer we sat in it, the more we got it. And so our response, 
we dove in completely. We are all in. And let me tell you, not everyone is as crazy as us. And you have to figure out what fits the rhythm and season for your family. Because the Shaws, we are crazy. We don't do anything halfway. You know, we've been serving on the worship team since before we had kids. So for us, that meant when I was having babies, I had to get up at 5 a.m. so I could nurse before making it to worship practice. I told you, Matthew 6.33 really became the heartbeat of our family. And I want to encourage you that no matter what season you find yourself in, it's just a season. So the question is, can you press through and do the hard things knowing it won't be forever? Or do you need to pull back with a commitment to re-engage at a greater level after a set period of time? See, we have purpose in his kingdom. Life is going to get messy. Life is going to get in the way. Things are going to happen. Valid things are going to happen that will make us want to disengage or take a break. But when we pull back too much, we unplug from a vital life source. We move away from a purpose that is greater than our circumstances. When we don't disengage, when we choose to engage, no matter how imperfect, no matter what is going on in life, there is a blessing that comes. There is a perspective shift as we see that we are participating in something so much bigger than ourselves. All of the practical things are good and necessary. Noah didn't build the ark by getting up each day, praying, and then waiting for things to happen. No, he had to do something. He had to get up each morning and get to work. I love the practical. I love the steps. I love the intentionality. I love managing my calendar. I'm nerdy like that. (laughs) But those practical things aren't the biggest key. It's part of it. And without it, it will be hard to fully engage with this church. But the biggest key, that is time with Jesus. The more time I spend with Jesus, the more I fall in love with him. And the more I fall in love with him, the more I want to spend time with him. The more my heart swells at the thought that I get to serve in his house. The more wisdom he gives me to be able to make it work through intentionally numbering my days to make sure his kingdom, serving my king, is above all else without neglecting that which he has made me responsible for. For me in the season of of life, that has been a one-two punch. I had to tweak two things I was doing. One, I realized that the only way I could get more done in a day was to have more time. I was struggling to fit it all in, which included consistent time in the word. And I was getting really frustrated that that is what kept getting cut out of my day or left out. And the only way to create more time is to sleep less. So I adjusted and I got up earlier. My kids are older, so I can do that. I couldn't when they were younger and getting up at night. Right now I'm up by 6 a.m. every day and I'm working towards 5.30 I've given myself till the end of the year to get there. I'm taking real tiny, slow steps towards 530 because I just don't think anything in the five o'clock hour is from the Lord. But (laughs) I love how the Lord loves us and he knows how we work and what we need. And he's given me this great motivator because I have found that I sleep better at night when I am up early and work out consistently. And so that's helped motivate me. So I get up earlier And then I shifted how I read scripture. I used to just read and read and read until I got something. And I found 
that as I would kind of ebb and flow with consistent time in the word, I kept looking for that something and looking for that something and I wouldn't find it. And so I get discouraged and I'd read less or I wouldn't be as motivated to read. And I really was struggling. And remember how earlier I talked about how you have stuff in you, deposits in you, things the Lord has developed in you that others need to help them grow. A great example of this is I have a friend in Alabama who just started posting on social media what chapter she was reading in the Bible and her takeaways. And she was posting that every day. She read a chapter every day. And I would look at that and go, she got that out of that? And it made me go, huh, maybe I need to change how I'm looking at scripture. And so I now read a chapter a day and I don't get up from the table until I write down something. I force myself to dive deeper and look for something. I promise you, as you create more time for Jesus, you will fall more in love with him. As you fall more in love with him, you will fall more in love with his church. That balance, that fitting it all in, it will take intentionality, but it will all fall into place because it's not about priorities. It's not about where the church fits. It's kingdom first, and then everything else fits under that. God loves his church. Being part of that, engaging with that is the greatest honor. That he would use me, would use you, that he would use imperfect, sinful people to further his kingdom, that he designed a place for you to feel safe, to find healing, comfort, peace, and joy, a place where you can be encouraged and encourage others, a place where he will use you where you are while compelling you further into the calling he has on your life. Yes, count me in. I'm all in. Let's pray. You can continue to learn, grow, and flourish with us as a community of women by visiting nrpflourish.com. There you will find information on our Facebook group, our weekly Flourish podcast with Penny Tusi, and our 2024 Flourish dates. For more information about NRP and other conferences that we have going on throughout the year, visit nrpastors.com. We can't wait to see you at one of our conferences soon.